In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review, for the week ending July the 29th, there's been a lot of talk about how our two presidential candidates feel about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP. In this past week, Chairman of the House Committee on Agriculture, Representative Mike Conaway of Texas, was in the Southeast, and he had this to say about trade and TPP. We export a lot, and, and exports are required. Uh, I remember having a, a conversation with a cotton guy back home, and, and this was before we lifted the export ban on crude oil. He came to me and said, oh, but don't do that. That's terrible. We've got to keep that crude oil here. Don't, don't, don't lift that ban. And I said, well, would you like the same kind of ban on exporting cotton? Mm-hmm. He kind of started thinking. You can see the wheels in his mind going. He goes, mm, never mind. Don't worry about that. We're, I'm, I'm good. So production agriculture is dependent. Americans can't eat everything we grow, and, and uh, so we're going to have to have exports. You know, I, I, I was at the convention the other night. Mr. Trump lit up the, you know, the current version of TPP, all those kind of good things. Uh, but we've got to be able to be in a position to uh, trade American goods fairly and, and in as economically balanced ways we can with other nations. And uh, the only way you can force other nations to abide by fair trading standards is if you get into an agreement with them and you've got an agreement that what you're going to do and then you hold them accountable for that. So I heard him say we're going to hold our trading partners accountable for not breaking the rules. Uh, that's, that's music to our ears because we typically do. And when we don't, as you saw with cotton, we make some titanic changes in order to try to get in compliance with the agreements that we've made with other countries. And so I like the part about holding other countries accountable, but we have to have trade deals that allow production agriculture to compete against uh, countries in which they're subsidizing their, uh, their own farmers uh, far more than, than we're helping ours and, and uh, le- trying to level out that playing field. You can't do that without trade deals. Now, farm groups favoring the deal are pressing Congress to consider the measure after the November elections, but Politico is saying that all of the anti-trade campaigning makes it exceedingly difficult to get TPP through an already wary Congress, making passage not impossible but very unlikely. Well, in other news, here's a reminder for cotton producers. You have just a few days left to take advantage of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Cotton Ginning Cost Share Program. Farm Service Agency Administrator Val Docini says sign up for that program ends this coming Friday, August 5th. Absolutely, Randall. You know, the Cotton Ginning Cost Share Program has been a very successful program for us. We've taken a slightly different approach in that we sent out forms to cotton growers. They were mostly pre-populated with information about their operations and about their yield. So we want to make sure that they get those forms, they check that information out, make sure it's accurate, and then get into their county office. It's been a really good program so far, and I think that, you know, the deadline coming up next Friday for final participation will be an important one for cotton folks. And Dolcini says payments have already gone out to many cotton producers. They have indeed. In fact, we've made most of the payments that we're going to make under the program. It was really one where as soon as somebody got their form and got into the system in the county office, we were able to generate a payment for that cotton farm. In other news, Bob Redding of the Redding Group, who represents peanut growers in Washington, D.C., was one of the speakers at the recent Southern Peanut Growers Conference. His main topic was on the new farm bill and how preparations are already underway. Tyron Spearman has that story. Bob Redding, who represents peanut growers in Washington, D.C., was one of the speakers at last week's Southern Peanut Growers Conference. His main topic was the farm bill and the fact that preparations are underway for the next one. So in 2017, farm groups will start with their policy process. Some are already doing it. We're already talking about it. But uh, you'll have hearings, and uh, we'll begin the 2018 farm bill process. He said efforts are underway to educate legislators who are not familiar with the farm bill as to its importance. What we're seeing now is hard work by members like Chairman Conaway and others, Mike Rogers of Alabama, Austin Scott of Georgia, and many others, 
that are starting to talk to members who've never been through a farm bill. So the talk right now is building coalitions, educating new members about why we need a farm bill, that it's not just uh, nutrition. There are farm programs in it, conservation programs, forestry programs. There are land-grant programs. So it's a it's an important educational process now through 17. Reading said a big item for agriculture right now is the new farm bill. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Uh, you know, growing what we eat can sometimes be a waiting game. Well, Kathy Isom tells us about some of the fastest-growing vegetables from seed to dinner table. Growing what we eat can sometimes be a waiting game, several months and sometimes years, depending on what seeds we're putting into the ground. But there are some great garden favorites that can be planted and then served on your table in about 60 days or less. Things like arugula, which take about a foot of growing space and only about a month to sprout, so it's ready to eat quickly. Or bok choy. You can add this one to soup, salads, and stir-fries in about 45 days. Careful, this cool-weather plant doesn't fare well with summer's heat, so plant it in early spring or autumn. Other plants fast on their feet include the bush green bean variety, cress, and mustard greens. Radishes are also quick-growing vegetables that are great for companion planting with the slower stuff. They'll get in, grow up, and ship out before those slower movers, like carrots, tomatoes, or cucumbers, need the space. Sugar snap peas are also another quick-growing garden favorite, ready, crispy, crunchy in about eight weeks. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about food production needing to double by the year 2050. Well, we've been warned uh, world food production has to double between now and 2050 to avoid world hunger. It has to be done on the same amount of land we're farming today. I don't know how much concern there is about this, but no need to worry. In that span of time, farmers will have the technology and the tools to do it. And just improved and more productive seed and plants is not all. New fertilizers and soil nutrients to help do the job. And if you don't think that's practical, look back. Who would have thought four bales of cotton an acre? A hundred bushels of soybeans, 300 to 400 bushels of corn per acre. So doubling food production in 35 years can and will be accomplished been that way since the beginning of time. Each decade brings new methods and new farmers. The next 34 years will not be any different. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. You can hear those reports and more from this past week at our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.